Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Blazers Edge podcast. I'm your host, Danny Morang, and welcome back. It's been six 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 weeks seven i don't know a really long time the longest break i have had doing this show in nearly five years so just to keep everybody up to date the biggest news is that i, I got married so COVID ain't all bad I, I take that all back COVID is horrible but um in all seriousness um the last two months have been some of the wildest times of my life between um, obviously getting married to the woman of my dreams who's in the room behind me listening to me podcast probably for the very first time and wondering why I sound so different doing my podcast voice and my TV voice. But uh, <laughs> in all seriousness, um, the wildfires put some stress on work and uh, the family um, that was right before we were slated to get married. Uh, that pushed us and made us do a lot of changes. Uh, if you've watched the pod or, or listened to the pod, watch the pod, listen to the pod or uh, watch any of the videos behind it, you know, I'm in a different place now. Shout out the, the, the Gary Trent canvas in the background now. We're, we're, we're uh, in an in-between place while we're house hunting. So uh, as you can imagine during all of this insanity, um, it's been wild. It's been really, really crazy. Um, so I'm gonna do something a little bit different because when all this stuff happened six weeks ago, I was still in the middle of trying to find a, a new co-host to replace team mom, Terrible and Biggs, uh, shout out team mom. Um, I have not been able to do that yet. We've had some fantastic people step in. We've had Kendall, we've had Kristen, uh, Steve's come in and obviously my co-host on Blazers Outsiders, uh, Joe Simons has come in, uh, to kind of fill in from person gaps, but this time I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm just going to do this with just me. I'm going to do a little mailbag edition. Um, I'm going to piggyback on some of the stuff that I wrote about uh, with CJ McCollum because I know a lot of people in the comments were upset one way or another, or had questions or had thoughts, opinions, that kind of stuff. So I'll get to that too because I, I really wanted to use that as a jump off point to kind of how I view this off season and where at least I'm at and looking at this team right now. Um, but I just want to say I hope everybody's doing well. Thank you for, for listening. Thank you for coming back. Um, this has been an absolute blast. And it's crazy. Uh, in January, it'll be five years that I've been doing this. So um, to take an extended break, I literally have not missed more than a week in almost five years. Uh, so this is kind of a weird, weird place for me. So without further ado, uh, I'm going to jump right into some mailbag questions. Um, I'm going to use it to kind of, like I said, jump off into the – um, the piece that, that I put up on Blazers Edge today talking about trading C.J. McCollum. 
So at the Nason, I'm assuming it's Nason, N-A-S-O-N, Nason, how bad would CJ have to get before Blazers fans stop overvaluing him and be okay with trading him? There's going to be some people who no matter what will never trade CJ McCollum. He means too much to them holistically and too much to them, but as far as like their, their, their ties and the memories he's created. And I get that. I entirely get that. I'll roll this back and preface my, all, my whole C- trade CJ McCollum thought process. I'm not a CJ McCollum hater. I never have been. Uh, I think he's a phenomenal player. I think he's a borderline all-star, even in the Eastern Conference, but just still a really good player. Like, there's only so many guys that get that honor. And for me, coming out of that Memphis series in 2015 – when him and Myers came out and played really well, unexpectedly, um, at least in the public eyes, I really wanted them to trade him. <laughs> so, it is, it's not an anti-CJ thing. It's just I, my immediate thought was two guards like this cannot make this work. They are too small. And, again, this is probably flies in the, the face of conventional wisdom at the time when we're watching Steph and Clay go crazy. But, again, we're talking about Steph and Clay, 6'4 and 6'6". Six, six. Uh, it's clay maybe even closer to six seven but the whole idea of the dame cj backcourt was never something in my head from day one that could ever truly work where you could build around it without getting an absolute stud like all nba borderline at least all-star level three or four if they had kept lamarcus Maybe, maybe they could have, at least I, I think I could have, I could have not only lived with that team, I probably would have enjoyed the hell out of that team. Watching Dame, CJ and LaMarcus kind of trade peaks uh, would have been ridiculously fun, but to kind of get back to the Nasus question, uh, how bad would CJ have to get before fans over, stop overvaluing him? There, there's no level. That's the thing. There is no level to which that will get to. But I think some people, there was a comment that I responded to. Uh, I don't typically go back in the comments every now and then, on, especially on stuff that I write that I want to clarify. Because um, shockingly, I'm not the world's greatest or most gifted writer. That's not really what I do. It's just I kind of started writing like I talk. Um, so those, those thoughts can be a little bit scattered, to say the least. Um, as far as CJ goes... I'm at the point where I don't think you can get better value. He's supposedly in the prime of his career. We don't really know when that falls in, but the typical is 27 to 30. Those are the the prime years. They can be a little bit younger. They can go a little bit older depending on how they play. I think CJ's game actually will actually age pretty well. Um, but I don't think they're ever going to overvalue or stop overvaluing him. I, I had somebody say that there are somebody in the comments and not to throw anybody under the bus. It's just kind of like the thought process. I had somebody in the comments said that um, he's a great guard or he's a top guard in the NBA. He's not by, by almost any measure. He's not um, now he's a top mid range scoring player, not just guard player in the NBA. He's a top shot creator in the NBA. He is a premier three-point shooter. He is a premier or top uh, ball handler in the NBA. 
but he's not a top guard in the NBA. The, 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 the guards and the wings in this NBA time period are incredible, especially the guys at the top. Damian Lillard is doing stuff literally no trailblazer has ever done, and he's not even in the top six in the NBA right now. He's the second best point guard. And yes, I'm still giving it to Steph because Steph's first ballot and arguably a top five point guard of all time right now. If you don't believe me, just, I mean, go look at the numbers, guys. It's, it's pretty hard to argue that at this point. Um, but I don't think CJ's ever going to not be overvalued. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think that's, that's the, the, I thought I'll say burden, but I'm going to use that word because that's what comes to my, comes to my mind. The burden of fandom is that, you get a guy like him and he has a, a play, a, you know, a chase down block, a knockdown Jay against Denver in a Western conference semis game seven, just hoping that's the kind of thing that draws a line that connects a player to a franchise forever. And I get that. I totally that, that four overtime game, Roddy hood coming in, Joe Shane and I are sitting there, living and dying on every shot knowing that we're going to go on air either ecstatic and drained or just crushed and drained. Um, one of these times I'll put the video out of us losing our mind after every single possession. It was, uh, it was a pretty fun night, but CJ's an intrinsic part of that. And that value is going to stay up here. So that's going to kind of kick me off into, into the article itself in that, when you look at where the trailblazers are right now, it's not a secret. It's not, Oh my God. It's a day that ends in Y the day that ends in day, whatever you want to call it. The blazers should look to trade CJ McCullough. That's nothing new. It, it really isn't really isn't my whole like, thought process. My whole idea behind trading him. It's this, it's, it's the same thing that we've, that we've talked about the fact that they're small, it's not that they, they overlap what each other brings offensively. That's, that's fine. You, you want to have a lot of shot creation. You want to have a lot of playmaking. You want to have a lot of guys who can knock down shots from multiple levels. Like, that's not a bad thing to have. It's the defensive vulnerabilities and the lack of size um, and the fact that the offenses essentially run the same way through them consistently. And it's, we saw this a little bit with the Houston Rockets in that they didn't have a counterpunch because Harden's usage rate is so high and they play stylistically so different, but they're more of a one-trick pony in that the Blazers aren't a one-trick pony, but it's easier to limit their tricks because the supporting cast just hasn't been there. Now, we saw some differences, obviously, with Yusuf Nurkic being healthy, um, but there's still that, that wing help is, is missing. And you, I, I, I urge anybody who disagrees, please go back and find a single team in the modern NBA area the past 25 years who has won an NBA title without premier wing forward play you, you just won't find it and that people are like well what about the the 2011 Mavs I mean sure I guess but you're also talking about a six foot five point guard uh, one of the best defenders in the league uh, and Tyson Chandler, an MVP candidate in Dirk and one of the most unique scorers and a guy who, while a seven-footer, doesn't really play like a big um, and a guy who had one of the best finals runs we've ever seen. Um, if you want to take the the one off here, I guess that's that's the one. 
but I don't know. I don't, I don't like to go with the exceptions. And even then I don't think it's really much of an exception. Um, but I want Portland and I want the, the I want Damian Lillard and the Trailblazers to move off of CJ for a multitude of reasons. Let's run down through real quick, just so everybody knows where we're at. One, I don't like the fit. Two, I don't like the defense. Three, I don't like the money. You can have max money tied up in a point guard, especially one like Damian Lillard. You can't have max money tied up in, in a guy who has deficiencies in his game like you do CJ McCollum on top of max money to a, a point guard. You just can't do it, hands down. And I'm not saying CJ's overpaid. He, he got the deal he negotiated. Good for him. I am always pro-secure the bag. That is never going to change. From a financial standpoint with the limitations that exist under the CBA, the Trailblazers are not maximizing their rate of return on CJ McCollum. They're not. That's, that's just the, the way it is. If you look dollar for dollar, the production they get, he does not give them enough of what they need in order to justify them having that much money committed to him. If that money was spent on a wing who also had a deficiency or two, but you had, you could smooth over some other areas because of the size, because of the athleticism, because of generating free throws, because of bending a defense and, and, and getting downhill uh, and being more switchable. There's just a lot more you can work with when you've got size to compensate. I mean, you put CJ's skill set in a guy who's 6'7", give CJ's skill set to, to DeMar DeRozan. He's all NBA. It, it's the lack of size and defensive ability because as we've seen in every single playoff series, they're going to hunt the guards, they're going to not care about the role players, and they're going to take away the bread and butter. And if you don't have the guys behind it to make it, necessary with you know your your third fourth and fifth guys there's no amount of role players that's going to cover up for it now we, we saw a little bit of that elevated level um with you know some depth with the miami heat this year but let's let's not forget that we saw a rookie doing things a rookie never does in tyler hill we saw bam be a very very unique player uh working as a facilitator uh, the, the pivot point for their entire offense, Goran Dragic finding the, I don't know, you know, pool of life and in, injecting it into his veins, playing out of his mind. Uh, obviously some injuries set them back, but still the power of the superstars prevailed. And I don't know if that's enough of a sample to really make it happen to where you're like, Oh yeah, no, this is what it's going to be there. I think the bubble played a part into it and it's not to take away from Miami. I really like that team. Uh, but I also think that they had something that Portland doesn't have a stud wing in Jimmy Butler. Um, and again, wing, 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 all the other stuff just doesn't seem to matter if you don't have that guy. Um, so that's kind of where I sit on CJ and more than anything, this is going to sound trite and dumb and ridiculous on a lot of levels. I just want to see something different. I don't want to, everybody say, well, they just need to be healthy. Well, they just need to be healthy. I don't care. I don't, I, I just don't want to watch the same thing. I don't want to see the same ideas, the same basic system of what has been bashing up against that glass ceiling over and over and over again. Don't get me wrong. They've played well. 
They have, and they've played some enjoyable series, and it's been so much better than watching so much of the garbage basketball out there. I mean, there's so many teams out there that have just been a rampant dumpster fire for so long that I don't want to take what Portland has done for granted. And I don't think that I am. I'm trying to explain that nuance as best that I can. But I really do believe that they need to make the change. The problem is right now is that all the guys that I've been talking about over the years that I really wanted them to go out and get, well, they're older now and their, their contracts are, are paying them now. So that stat, Ooh, that stagger doesn't really exist anymore. So that's why you saw me toss out some of the ideas. And again, they weren't perfect. They never meant to be the whole buddy healed and uh, Bielitsa and the TJ Warren, Victor Oladipo. Like they aren't perfect, but it's about maximizing assets and getting a better rate of return for guys uh, than you were getting otherwise. That, shifts some money here, allows you to do something more there. It's, that's, the I think, the bigger crux of it is that the amount of money they have tied up in Damon CJ going forward is just not going to be feasible. And I don't – I think every year they wait, it's going to be harder and harder and harder to get what they want in return for CJ McCollum. And if you paid attention and actually read the article – I don't think Neil O'Shea's ever going to trade CJ anyways. Neil has not traded a player under contract in the rotation basically in his entire time in Portland. That, that's, I mean, you can go down the list of transactions that I showed there. Um, the only guys that have ever really been traded that were rotation players were guys that had expiring deals. That's it. That's, I mean, that's it. The, the only other one, I, even then, I don't remember right. I think Will Barton was actually coming up for his extension. So, like that pipe dream in and of itself doesn't really exist. So that was the longest rant I think I've gone on doing this podcast, but I think it's a big one because it's the biggest part of what this team is going forward. That's the thing. This is the biggest part of what this team is going forward. So with that, when talking about changes uh, from Atlanto commando, which former blazer would you bring back on the cheap Plumley, ET, Pat, Moe or Myers? I mean, what do they need? They need wing help. E.T. Think about this. If Gary and Ant aren't the premier ball handlers you want them to be, but you have a guy who knows the system and can be your primary ball handler while giving you plus defense, rebounding, and a little bit of veteran cover, and not to mention probably one of the best locker room guys this team has had in years. Uh, yeah, it's E.T., Bring him back. Uh, I, I, it's no secret. I want a part of Mo. His his motivation lacks and wanes, and how much he actually cares. Um, don't give me that. I don't want that. Myers, as much as I love him, uh, I, I don't think they need another true five. And I, to be honest, I don't. I don't think Myers would want to come back here. Um, Plumley, mm, nah. As much as Plumbed Up Millionaire is fun, and we, I miss getting uh, reverse dunks regularly. Pass Pat. Pat, I mean, the Blazers have a better version of Pat and Gary, and I love Pat. Pat, Pat's an NBA player, like, but that's 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 what it is. But um, ET's the dude. I think that one's that one's pretty easy. Uh, speaking of some more rotation guys, uh, King Donut at Jelly Donut fifty two. Do you think Nasir Little will develop into a player who can contribute at a high level? What is his ceiling and/or potential? So I love Nas. Um, Nas is a, is a workout fiend. 
Now he had a bit of a scary situation um, down in the bubble for those that don't know, basically had a, a fainting incident. Um, and he, they were worried about some, some other potential health issues that come along with that. And they wanted to make sure. So they held him out of everything, which I, I want them to do. As much fun as the bubble was, as much fun as, as, as Nas is, and I'm, how much I wanted to see him out there, I'm glad they held him out. I'm glad they took care of him, and he's out there grinding, getting after it. And from everybody that I've talked to and everybody I've heard is that he's their guy that they're looking forward to um, going into next season. As far as do I think he can develop into a player contribute at a high level? What's a high level? Like, are we talking, you know, Draymond Green? Or, or, you know, uh, a starting caliber player. I think he could be a fringe starter. I think a, a lot of that is determined about his ability to knock down a shot. If he can knock down that three, and he has shown some flashes of brilliance with that. And we talked to him in the offseason about him developing that shot and working on it and putting in the reps and getting up the shots over and over again and retooling his shot, getting more comfortable, getting more confident, finding his spots. We saw him, you know, we broke down that film with him, you know, the things that he has worked on. If that translates to consistently knocking down 36, 37% worth of threes, he's a starting caliber bit, you know, swing guy. He's long as hell, incredibly strong, dumb athletic. He gets after people endlessly. Same kind of tenacity that you get from uh, Gary Trent Jr. I mean, this team has got some dude, some young dudes that are just dogs. And I love that about Nas. But He's got to do the things that don't show up. He's got to be consistent defensively. He's got to understand his rotations. He's got to know where he's got to be on the help side. He has got to do the things that go unnoticed by most fans and the things that get noticed by the coaching staff. He needs to do all of those things before he gets the opportunities to do the things that he can really show out, which is get out in open court and transition, finish in traffic, defensively come from the weak side, shooting gaps defensively, getting steals, um, and then knocking down shots. He's got to do all the little things first to show that he's ready to get on the floor. That's Terry Stotts coaching 101. He does that, then he has his opportunity. Now, where do I think Nas can get to? Again, I still think he can be a starting caliber uh, wing in this league. Um, I, I've, I've said often that he could turn into Gerald Wallace with a jump shot if he gets that done because he's got that kind of energy, that kind of athleticism, and just dogged determination. That's a hell of a player. I think that's that's the ceiling for him, which, I mean, that's an absolute stud that Portland would give up a lot for right now, which is why they took him when they did. Uh, let's see. Which small forward away in the draft do you like best, Vassal, Williams, or Bay? Uh, I mean, it's it's Devin. I don't like that somebody decided they wanted to screw with his jump shot because it it looks like mine. His jump shot used to be clean. Now it looks like mine. It looks like a trebuchet that is loaded up on broken knees and fired. Um, I, 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 these jump shot doctors kind of trip me out. I'll say that. Um, not, not a fan of, of what those guys are doing to these kids nowadays. Uh, but yeah, it's Vassal. But I, I, don't, I still don't know what Portland's going to do. Uh, it's been hard trying to get on read on who they're going to go after, what they're going to go after. Are they even going to use that pick? My gut says yes, that they're going to use the pick just because Olshay has been adamant about that being basically Portland's only real way to, uh, you know, continue to add to the cover and improve through the draft. 
Their free agency has been eh, pretty consistently. Their trades have been, well, let's look at the record. Mm, good here, there, and there. Somebody in the comments is going to say something about Yusuf Nurkic. Yeah, okay, sure. The, the first round pick was what they wanted, and that's what they got. And then, oh, by the way, they got Yusuf Nurkic out of it. There, there you go. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like Vassal. I mean, this draft is so stupid. It, it, nobody knows who's going where. LaMelo Ball was a consensus top three guy a week ago. Now he might fall out of the top eight. So, by the way, he should. So, <laughs> I'll say that. I'm not a ball fellow uh, at all. Uh, Josh Sargent, expectations for Ant this year. Who's your favorite backup point guard target that the Blazers decide to get a vet? Ant needs to play confident. It's no secret I'm an Ant guy. I uh, uh, came up with a, the Ant colony. Um, he's my dude. I love the kid. Um, I hope big things for him. I, I genuinely think he can be an absolute stud in this league. Um, I've heard the same from numerous other players. For him, it's all mental. It's, it's all about playing with confidence. When he plays with confidence, when he gets a little bit of swagger in his step, he can do things that most guys in the league just can't do, and he does it effort, effortlessly. So my expectations for him are play with, playing with confidence and playing with more consistency. Uh, there's going to be ebbs and flows, especially still, even for a young kid. I mean, that, or, or for a young kid, that's that's how this league goes. Unless you were a true dyed-in-the-wool monster, straight out of the gate, uh, a Ja Morant, which again we're talking about generational point guards uh, who were picked, you know, second overall after leading their own team and backpacking them through an NCAA tournament. That doesn't happen all that often, especially for the young dudes. It's just not what what happens. But. Uh, my expectation is Ant gets 18 minutes a night, gives you – I want. I don't like putting a number on it, but I, th- I think 10 to 12 points is probably fair. I still think he's going to play, but, I mean, the emergence of Gary might cut into his time some, and if they sign a point guard, that might do it too, but they could slide Gary a bit to the three with a backup unit. But I, I expect Ant in year three to figure more out. Um and the big thing is defensively because he, he's got to be better defensively to get on the court. I've heard as much from the coaches. So they're not worried about him offensively. And, you know, to be honest, neither am I. He's got the length and athleticism to, to really bother some guys defensively. He's got to be stronger at the point of attack, uh, be smarter off ball. But I, I genuinely think he, he's going to be a good player in this league. Uh, as far as backup point guard, listen, if, you, if you're looking for a guy to run a show and run a, run a pick and roll, go out there and pick up DJ Augustine. I mean, that's, 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 that's the easy answer. Um, beyond that, maybe a J.J. Barea. And listen, I know that Portland is, loves uh, small guards. But J.J. also played for Stotts. He did, I, yeah, he played for Stotts for 2011. Um, so there's a little bit of familiarity there. The offenses are probably relatively the same. If you're looking for a dude who's going to give you like 12 minutes a night, cool. I've seen some people say Shabazz. Uh, I, don't, I don't think Baz would come back. That's just me. All right. Uh, also, Josh Sargent has a follow-up question. My main question remains, what is going on with Collins, and will he be ready if the season starts in January? I don't know about timeline stuff. Um, I have heard that they had a procedure done, but I don't know how it's going. I don't know when that was. I don't know how he's doing. I just know or that I, I just have heard that he did have um, – successful surgery beyond that i got nothing um so i don't i don't know about any timeline stuff i don't know when he's going to be ready 
Um, I would assume we would hear something in the next two or three weeks about successful surgery, everything went well, or any potential hangups. Uh, I really hope we don't get blindsided like we did um, in the uh, training camp. Was at 2018-19 when Harkless said he hadn't touched a basketball in three months because he had surgery. <laughs> like that part of it was like I remember the entire room kind of went. I'm sorry, what? Uh, so I hope we don't have that with Zach because that definitely makes him reevaluate where they're sitting. Uh, but as far as I know right now, he's he's doing all right. Uh, let's see. Next one from at Kyle Nishida, the homie Kyle Nishida, producer for Rip City Radio. Uh, Kyle's a good dude. Make sure you go listen to those guys. Uh, Portland has a number 16 pick, theoretically, because Neil's married to draft picks. What trade value does that pick have? Uh, to be determined. We'll go with that. To be determined. There could be a team that really likes somebody who fell. Uh, they didn't expect them to be there. You may be able to get somebody, or you get a team who's cheap. Cheap, 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 cheap. And doesn't want to pay a vet because the tax line, even if they're keeping it at one spot, are afraid of what it's going to mean going forward. So maybe you can flip a reason to pick for something. Um, it's been really hard to determine what value you can get on picks outside of like the top three, top four. And even then there's wildly varying views on those, especially outside of the top two. So where you can normally use a um, formula to kind of establish what the value is on a pick, I don't think you can this year. I think it's going to be kind of in the heat of the moment as much of a cop-out answer as that is. Um, I, I, it's just hard to get any kind of feeling for what that's going to be. Um, this is a different one. At, at Ditch Cathedral, Cement Halo. Which players do you think are most likely to be traded or released before the season starts? What do you see as the most likely starting lineup? If they can stay healthy this year, where do you see the Blazers at in terms of playoff seeding success? as much as I want to see all these moves, as much as I want to see the Blazers do this, that, or the other with as much financial uncertainty as there is in the league right now, I don't anticipate anybody being moved. I'll be honest. I don't think they're going to move anybody. Um, they may go get, and they will, they will, when they need the bodies, they will use um, some part of the MLE on a guy. Uh, I don't think they bring back Melo. I don't think they bring back Hassan. Um, I think they're going to try and find a, a more of a four type um, in free agency. Uh, but it'll be interesting. This is, it's, it's, this would be the one year where I'm sitting here saying they aren't going to do a damn thing. And they aren't. And then they'll finally do something. And I will gladly accept being wrong. Uh, nothing would make me happier, in fact, than being wrong about that. If I had my ideal starting lineup right now as the team sits, Dame, CJ, Hood, Ariza, Nurkic. That's, I, I don't think Zach's a starting five. I never have. Um, I think he's a, a very good backup four or five, worth the emphasis being on the five uh, that allows him to kind of play more minutes kind of floating, I would say, with Ant, Gary, insert your uh, ball handler slash creator here uh, that can pick up whether it's a piece of the MLE or 
uh, vet men. God, I hope not. But uh, and if they can stay healthy, what do you see the Blazers in terms of playoff seeding success? Probably more the same, 46 wins, 45 wins, 47 wins. I mean, let's take a look at the teams right now. Uh, Lakers, pretty good. Clippers, pretty damn good. Nuggets, if Jamal Murray's for real, holy crap. Uh, Utah, uh, anybody else wants Donovan Mitchell to go absolutely ballistic against Jamal Murray? Looks pretty good, and they were missing you know, their guy in Bogdanovich. Um, let's see. The Mavericks. Hi, Luka Doncic is an MVP candidate. Anybody else got one of those out on their team out west? Yeah, apparently they're everywhere. Houston, you could see some step back there, but still a nightmare regular season team to deal with. The Spurs are probably going to fall off eventually. It looks like while they're not dead, somebody has gummed them to death. <laughs> We're just in stage two of them, you know, slowly stepping back. And then the Suns. Are they for real or is that just bubble? The, the, did getting Devin Booker away from IG for two months make him a better player? Who knows? Um, the Kings. I mean, are they, are they going to be good? Are they not going to be good? What's going on with Bogdanovich? What's going on with Heald? Mm, Memphis. Yeah, John Morant's for real. He looks pretty damn good. Uh, Jaron Jackson, if he figures some things out and can stay on the floor and stop fouling, that's a good team. Uh, I've gotten this far and I haven't said a damn word about the Pelicans. God, you gotta be kidding me. The West is a bloodbath. Um, crap. 43 wins is going to be the cutoff for the eighth seed. If that a 500 team might actually make the playoffs. They're just going to beat the hell out of each other. Oh, you know what? 72 wins. So uh, take 10 back. So 38, 38 wins will be the cutoff. Uh, think about it. 38 wins. God dang. If they do, if they do 72, 38 wins will be the cutoff. If they do 60, it'll be, be 28, 29. Probably right around there. Just because the volatility, you might get one team get real hot. One team could go nuclear. But yeah, I again for Portland, it's 16. 16, 17. If they play really well. Probably a, maybe a four. I just – regular season, I have, I have a hard time seeing them passing both L.A. teams, Denver, L.A. if they're, if they're healthy. I don't think anybody – or L.A., Dallas if they're healthy. I don't think anybody realizes that Dallas just had the best offense in league history. Oh, yeah, but I'm sitting here doing all this, and I just gloss over the fact that, oh, yeah, the Golden State Warriors are going to be back. Oh, yeah, and by the way, they have a top pick. Like – Steph, Clay, Ray, the guys that they kind of groomed this year, and then they're going to add another young guy to that core. So, bump Portland down to seven or eight. Just sue me. I just it, – it's going to come down to health. Ultimately, it's going to come down to health. So, I don't even know why I'm guessing at this point in time. It's, it's, it's a bit of a fool's errand, but that's what I like to do. I like fool's errand. The guys over at Even Odds Podcast, shout out those guys. Appreciate them having me on a couple of weeks back. Make it a Gordon Hayward pod, you coward. No, I, I had that argument uh, in, in, the, in the, the, the Twitter ads. The Twitter the, the ads. This, this is, Gordon Hayward would be the best wing this Blazers team has had since Brandon Roy. If you're flinching at the fact of giving up Rodney Hood or Trevor Ariza for Gordon Hayward, we clearly see basketball on a much much different level <laughs> than than should be uh, allowed for he's a more than passable defender he's a absolute playmaker 
Like he's a plus playmaker. He's a, a slightly above average rebounder and he can score from every level. I know people are worried about the injuries and all that kind of stuff, but literally Portland has not had a wing this put together with this many, you know, positive skill sets since Brandon Roy, not Nick Batum. No, stop now. It's since Brandon. That's, that's the reality. Uh, and it would do them a world of good if they could give up some guys who aren't really a part of their team going forward and take a chance on a guy like Gordon Hayward. I mean, yeah. If you had a guy like Gordon Hayward and you could move again, you could move CJ after that, or you could get the pieces that make more sense or hell run it a year with Dame CJ Gordon and Nurkic and see what happens. I mean, there's a lot of different outcomes with that, but I'm not making this Gordon Hayward podcast, you know, a bunch of monsters, but that's what I do have for this week. It's going to be a little bit shorter, but I will come back. Um, we do have some plans for a NBA draft party. Shout out everybody who submitted questions. Thank you. Um, we will be back to doing this again weekly. Um, I will have uh, co-hosts or uh, guest co-hosts and we'll hopefully have the spots filled out. And again, I want to shout out Abby for giving me the sweet uh, Gary Trent or not giving me uh, for putting up for sale this wonderful Gary Trent Jr. Painting. There we go. Behind me. That is now adorning my wall uh, in the temporary living facility. <laughs> uh, but thank you everybody for listening, listening to me ramble and rant for the last uh, half decade um, and supporting the show and coming back. And as always, please like, rate, review, subscribe, do all that kind of stuff. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, hopefully, we should have uh, Steve DeWald on the show to talk about the upcoming draft and then. Um, I will have some people cycling through and then we do have something planned for NBA draft night. And I need to work a few kinks out, but I'll be doing some stuff for NBC along with my co-host Joe Simons. But, and then during draft day, um, we are hoping to do a draft show live, um, via YouTube embedded in, uh, one of the channels, uh, or excuse me, one of the posts on the page. If not, we'll have a, a link set up to it so everybody can participate. Uh, thank you everybody. We'll catch you guys. Uh, will I'll catch everybody, uh, next week. Um, and thank you again, everybody who submitted questions, everybody who listens, everybody who follows, uh, I really appreciate it and, uh, take care everybody. Bye.